Hey everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm your host, Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about The Unspoken Name by A.K. Larkwood. So let's speak the magic of books. This book was so good. I went into this book, I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to be or how good it was going to be, but I was looking forward to it. Now, in the very beginning, I felt like it wasn't quite matching with my expectations, but that was fine. It was like a chapter or two that it didn't mesh, and then it just got better and better every page and every chapter I read. I devoured this book in a day and a half to two days. It was just kept drawing me in. So, the, I just the words are failing me because the magic system was incredibly unique. It was more of a soft magic system where they never explicitly define what it can and can't do, but they do define a couple hard rules that have to do with the magic. So we'll get into those more in the spoiler, but the characters were amazing. They all felt incredibly real. They had their own motivations, the motivations that don't make sense even when you're there in the moment trying to make it. The twists and turns of this book were amazing. The world building, parts of it were a little lacking and parts of it were really good. The parts where it was lacking, it was just because we're passing through and our main character didn't really understand or know what was going on. And so those are, are forgivable for me. They didn't detract from the story at all. I was just looking to try and learn as much as I could there. And I couldn't, you know, I never felt like any of these characters were being untrue to their self, untrue to themselves or to like a logical action. So again, just really good. There was one small thing that kind of bothered me and there's, it was not the pronunciation guide because there's a pronunciation guide at the front. It was the who's who of people in the book. Now you might think, well, you know, why didn't you like that? Most people like it when they tell you who's who in the book and how to pronounce their names. Now, the how to pronounce the name, that was great. That was fun, nice. It, I didn't like it 100% because it changed just how I wanted to pronounce their names, which was wrong. And that's fine. I, I put okay with pronouncing names wrong that are in fantasy and sci-fi books. But the who's who told me who people were before they were introduced. And so I did not like that as much because then I was waiting to see people get introduced and who they were and what their position was. Like we have a general and it's, you know, the name is Psarog and it says, oh, Psarog, he's a general in the mercenary crew. And I'm like, okay, well, now I'm on the lookout for a mercenary crew that I wouldn't have been on the lookout before. Now it didn't ruin my enjoyment. It didn't really change anything. I just didn't like it at the beginning of the story. That's totally fine if it had been at the back. I could turn to it as I found people's names out. I think that might have been better. That's just my opinion. So, you know, let's get into the spoilers of this book. So, again, this book was amazing. Um, I loved it. I did give it a 5 out of 5 on Goodreads. So, let's talk. Our main character is Sorway. Sorway. It rhymes with doorway. It's C-S-O-R- W-E, but rhymes with doorway, soarway. I'm probably saying it wrong still, but that's my right and my choice to say it wrong. So it was good. She was awesome. She starts out in the House of Silent, House of Silence, excuse me, a servant of the unspoken name, a god of death and cold and silence, of course. And as she's served here, she is the 
bride of the unspoken name, which basically means she has no friends. And then when she turns 14, she gets sacrificed to the god. Now, uh, close to when her 14th birthday arises, a wizard stops by and asks for a vision slash prophecy from the unspoken name. And his name is Belthandros Sethani. He is our another of our main characters. And his character was, you know, you start out thinking he's the good guy. And then, you know, as this time goes on halfway through, you're like, okay, maybe he's not really that good of a guy. But, like, he is still a good guy. He still cares for our main character. He still, you know, does this. And then by the end, you're like, he's really not uh, the good guy. He's not He's not an antagonist, but he's definitely not a protagonist. He's just a nist. He's just there. He does a lot of good things, cool things, but he really doesn't change the story too much. It was quite quite interesting to read. Now, on the her 14th birthday, she's taken up to the mountain to be sacrificed. She walks up the last part of the stairs alone, and Belthandros is there, and he's like, hey, I'm willing to take you away from here to save you if you want to come. Or you can jump down the pit and be with the unspoken name forever. Of course, it wouldn't be much of a book if she chose to join the unspoken name. So, of course, she goes with him, and he takes her away, and they go through gates. Now, these gates are cool. They're just big gates of different colors and different kind of shapes and sizes, and they all have really cool names. There's the Peacock Gate. Um, there's a couple other ones I'm not remembering right now, but they take you to different worlds. So it's not even that there's this this one world you're on. It's it's multiple worlds and multiple different lands, and that was just so cool to me reading about this world building. And so, of course we, of course way, excuse me, she starts learning things for Balthandros. He's like, hey, I've, I've rescued you. I want you to learn these things. You know, eventually we'll get back to my city of Talontothoth, and I will take back my rule, and we'll be happy there. And he's like, she's like, cool, well, let's let's do that. And so they, she learns, she learns sword fighting. She joins a mercenary group. She does all these things. But you can tell that she's like, she's happy, but she's just happy kind of in the moment. She's not like that true happy and you know, one of the things I really liked about this book is that throughout the whole book, A.K. Larkwood just keeps like circling around with the the unspoken name and coming back to it and her calling as the chosen bride that she served him, that it always keeps coming back. And it was just really unique. So let's continue on with kind of what happens so you know. They, uh, Belthandros is also looking for something called the Reliquary of Petra Visne. Sorry. Yeah, a very powerful relic of a very powerful man who was one of the first to kind of figure out how to use magic safely. So to talk about how to use magic, they have gods, and you can kind of channel your god's power, but the more you do, the more it destroys your body. But you can use a little bit of it to keep your body healthy, but the more you use, the faster you die, and just kind of interesting and very unique. What a good limitation that the more you use the power, the more you die. But you can burn really bright or you can burn very dim for a long time. But Belthandros doesn't seem to be having this kind of an issue. We don't know why, but we know that. You know, we don't course way. I kind of thought she would learn some magic. You know, she doesn't. That's fine. It was still so good. So Belthandros and Courseway decide that it's time to go back to Tlantothoth. And he sends her ahead. She finds a way for him to sneak into the city through the gate. And we could talk a little bit about that later, but they get through the city, 
he takes back the city and then they just kind of live there for a while and she realizes that like yes he saved me and he gave me my life but he doesn't really care for me he just wants me to do what i'm asked it's like my life is a job to him and the job is you know be the sword of belthandros and do whatever he says so that was, you know, it was really interesting the way I.K. Larkwood reveals all of this and writes it into the story. You know, you totally understand it and feel it. It's amazing. So now we shift a little bit and we go to some Karsachi uh, workers, a warden, a mage user, and they are, and another kind of like a watcher for the mage, and they are trying to survey a dead slash dying world because of course you know you can't survey the live world you have to survey the dead ones so they're they're surveying and they're working things now the korsachi kasach i'm sorry i'm just butchering that name they have their own way to deal with magic that we learn about now we don't learn about it yet but i'm going to talk about it their way of dealing with magic is to take a mage and bind them in groups of five so you have quinquiriates is what they're called there's a couple different ones. There's Archer. There's there's other art. There's other groups. And what happens though is that they have to accept this tether, and then the five people become one person. So one person with five bodies, like you have five fingers, and that's just like oh, so creepy and cool. But that helps to break up the magic usage, and so they can live to be you know seventy five years old without burning through their body. And so that's the way they do it and they've got all their religions and all of their propaganda working for it so all the people there believe that's the way to do it and if one of those five dies then you just replace it with a new one and this girl Shuthmila has been she's going to be one of the next mages as soon as one of the five dies so they are surveying this world when Corsway and Talaceris who also works with Belthandros and Corsway he was the nephew of the previous ruler who had kicked Balthandros out, and as a favor, Balthandros took him and kind of kept him in his inner circle so that he wouldn't just die. So they are sent to retrieve the reliquary of Petrovisne, which they think is in this dead world. They meet up with the Karsachi mages, Shuthmila and the warden, and they kind of are meeting and talking, and then they're attacked by necro, like by zombies, by necromantic people, and. That was so cool just to see that, to see the change in Corsway becoming competent and like diligent and she knows what she's doing. And this is where you start to see the first of the cracks in her, in Corsway's loyalty to Belthandros because while she is meeting with Shuthmila, you know, she's starting to get a little bit of feelings for her. Now, I think it was done excellently. They were. They were somewhat slow, but also fast at the same time, just like how real feelings are. They start slow, they blossom quickly, and they can have a powerful effect on your life. So they uh, start searching, they go find another place to search with the mage, and they come across Orana, who is also from the House of Silence, who sent the necromancers, and who is Belthandros's enemy. They fight, she is able to take the reliquary of Pentravese, and leave. Now, this is something that really struck me, is that this whole book, you know, the first of the book, they talked about, oh, we got to find the reliquary of Pentravese. And that's kind of like the important focus. Then you realize that, you know, they found the relic, and you're barely halfway through the book. So 
You know, what's going to be the next thing is, okay, they're going to open the reliquary. And then they open it, and it's still, like, you still got like a third of the way, uh, you know, a third to a quarter of the book left. And you're like, wow, this is not, like, what the actual, this was never the plot of the book. The plot, this tricks you. It makes you think it's a plot-centric book, but it's actually a character-centric book. It's all about the characters. So, uh, back to where we were. They've lost the reliquary. Balthandros just kind of dismisses them and says, hey, you're out for a little bit. You couldn't do it. And so, you know, he turns them away and says, you failed. You shouldn't have failed. And that just crushes Courseway. And it was intense. You know, then she goes back and she rescues, you know, because she rescued Suthmilla, she lost the reliquary. And so she goes and she rescues Suthmilla again because the Gorsuch people have come to take her away because they want her for to be a mage and to join the tether but now she is refusing it was just the emotions and the the style that people are really afraid of death but they're willing to do things and to trick themselves beforehand that they are ready for death so let's just keep going with it so after Corsway and Talaceris have been kind of dismissed and you know rejected but not 100% rejected for failing to get the reliquary they both at different times leave and go to find the reliquary and bring it back and prove to Belthandros that, you know, they're worthy of his love. But they know that even if they get the reliquary, he won't love them. He won't value them more than just fulfilling a job that he has for them to fulfill. You know, And yet they do it anyway because they don't know what else to do, which it just made sense to me 100%. So they follow Orana. They find out where she's gone. They meet with her. She's trying to open the reliquary, and it won't open. And then she forces a portal to open, and it leads into Belthandros's basement. And then we learn what has happened in that the Pentraves is Balthandros. Now, they give you enough hints that you can see it coming, because I saw it coming. And so it made sense a little bit. I wasn't 100% sure about it, but... I had I had inklings and I was starting to think that it would be and then it was and the god that he served the thousand-eyed Yudiskaval she was you know shattered apparently and a couple pieces but what really happened is that Pentravese you know shattered like or like broke two pieces off of her or a couple more and kind of scattered them around and then told the story and then as he's been living for so long he would forget and then kind of remember more and then forget and then remember parts and. So he's always been trying to get back his memory, which has been in this reliquary. And then what else is in the reliquary? Well, the rest of Yeriskaville, the god. Basically, all of her power and everything. And we learn, uh, it's just so cool. Corsway is welcomed back into the fold. Talceris, you know, he's also kind of welcomed back a little bit later. But Corsway knows now that she likes Shuthmila because she's been with her. And she wants to save her from having to go join this quinquiriate. But Balthandros is like, no, that doesn't help me at all. Why would I help you go rescue her? That's that's foolish. Just stay here. Be my sword like you always have been. And we'll just keep going on. And it's like, yeah, he totally doesn't get her. As much as he helped her and rescued her and saved her, he doesn't understand. And he expects her to just not change. Partially because he just doesn't change. It's just uh, so nice. So she goes off. She breaks Orana free of 
her prison from Balthandros. They go to rescue Shuthmila. They basically don't. <laughs> That's kind of what happens until near the end. They they go in. It's been a trap the whole time to put pressure on Shuthmila from her aunt, who's trying to force her to be in the Quinquiriate. And one of the coolest magic deaths, because Shuthmila, being a very powerful mage, has always been very restricted in her magic use, so to not you know burn her body out beforehand. And she is trying to fight and save her and Corsway, and she turns her aunt into precious metals. Oh, just the writing was so evocative and rich. It was so cool that the waves of transformation were just like crashing into her and her arms turned into opals and her tears turned into pearls and her eyes turned into diamonds. It was cool. Now that is one of the most interesting ways I've ever seen to kill a character. Not, you know, not the way I want to die. I would never want that because it sounded really painful, but just one of the coolest ways that I've seen of a death. So they, they kind of break free. They are captured. They send Corsway back to Belthandros. They send... Shuthmila back to the arena because she refuses to be a tether, so she's going to be executed. And of course, you know, we're, I'm just thinking like, where's this book ending? What's going to happen? Don't cut me off on a hard part here because I'm getting close to the end. And Corsway escapes. No, she doesn't escape. She leaves Belthandros and she actually makes the conscious decision to not follow him and to not choose to help him. So she escapes and he assumes she's still working for him. And she's like, no, I'm not. And she flees. She goes to rescue Shuthmila. And while she's fleeing, of course, she stole his reliquary that she just got back for him, you know, two chapters ago. And, you know, basically puts him in an ultimatum like, hey, here's the, you know, here's the, your reliquary that you need that has everything you want. You know, come get it. Or I'm going to break it here and come save us. He does. He gives them, he sets them free. She lays down a couple ground rules. You know, I want your gauntlets because she figured out that the gauntlets, by channeling magic through the gauntlets, they protect your body from the wear and tear of using the god power. And, you know, leave us alone. I don't ever want to see you. Oh, it's just a great ending. It totally leaves it open for more and, like, hints that there's going to be more in sequel books. But, like, as an ending... It is a great ending. So like I said, you know, you think the plot is one thing. And then A.K. Larkwood switches it around. She's like, nope, plot's this now. Oh, wait, plot's over here. And the whole time you're not realizing that it's just a character story around small, small plots that keep going around. Her way with words was amazing. Her writing style was great. The world building was amazing. The way she... She would bring things back over and over again as she was taught, as, as we were, as I was reading, you'd, you'd read about one thing and then a couple chapters later, she'd bring it back up again. And it was never too much. It was just enough to keep you thinking and engaged in the book. And so I really, really liked this book. It was very exciting. Again, I did give it a five out of five on Goodreads. So but that's going to be everything I have to talk about today about the unspoken name by A.K. Larkwood. Thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. Of course, if you have any questions or comments, please send them to libromancypod at gmail.com. You know, please like and subscribe to this podcast if you like what you're hearing. And you can do that wherever you get your podcast from, or especially iTunes. Thanks everybody for listening, and always remember to speak the magic of books. <laughs> <laughs>